Alexa, what time is it? It's 7pm. And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandspring. And welcome to our Eastney and Craneswater live virtual hustings. Um, so with us this evening, we have uh, two candidates. Um, so the candidates that you'll see on the ballot paper are Matthew Winnington for the Liberal Democrats, Craig Withy for Labour, John Smith for the Conservatives, and Menno Groen for the Greens. Um, so Craig and Matthew have joined us this evening, and Ian will give us an update uh, in a moment as to as to our attempts with um, with contacting the other candidates. Um, so I'm going to briefly explain um, how our hustings will work, um, and then Ian's going to give us a bit of a background on the on the statistics of the ward, and then we'll get to some questions. So the questions have been submitted in advance um, of the event via Facebook or by email. Um, and if there's time as we as we run along and there are comments um, that are suitable um, in the some uh, further submission of questions actually in the comments section on the live stream, um, then we may include those if, if we have time. All the questions that we've chosen are ones which can be answered by all of the candidates and they are applicable to the ward or to Portsmouth. And our questions have been selected by Ian and myself and will be put to the candidates in turn. All of the candidates have the option to give a three minute opening and a three minute closing speech. Uh, candidates that have responded to us but are unable to attend the hustings were given an option to pre-record or submit written speeches. I, I can at this point confirm that we've had neither from either of the candidates that haven't been able to attend. As the hustings is being held by Zoom, if we need to prevent interruptions, we may mute um, a candidate that isn't due to be speaking in order to um, allow the audience to hear the candidate that's meant to be speaking. Otherwise, we'll leave the microphones open um, as we feel that that improves the flow of the show. Candidates will be given two minutes to answer each question and rebuttals will be offered once all candidates have answered that question. Candidates have a 60 second rebuttal to the answers given by their opponents and there will be no further follow up. So remember, we're not here to pit the candidates against each other. The election is already doing that. We're here to give voters a chance to have their questions put to candidates. No candidate is going to be declared a winner or a loser this evening. And our hope is that by being able to hear their responses, you, the voters, will be the winners. Uh, Ian. Yeah, so uh, we contacted all of the candidates. Um, so John Smith, the Conservative, we've attempted to cut, um, contact through the official Conservative Party um, contact and through various social media outlets. Unfortunately, we have heard nothing back from John um, so he has not responded to our request. Unfortunately, we were unable to. Con uh, we didn't know about Menno standing until the contact. The all the candidates were declared uh, on April uh, on in April, and at that point, we reached out through the formal Green Party and through various social media outlets. And again, unfortunately, didn't get a response. So what we do have is two fine candidates here um, to discuss the issues. So. Let's have a look at Eastney and Craneswater. So I've described it as the ward by the sea with never a dull moment, politically speaking. Matt Winnington stands in the corner as the defender of the seat, which he won back in 2016. Um, he won that reasonably comfortably with an 8% margin over the Conservatives. Matt's got to take a bonus year because there were no 2020 elections last year. So we then start to dig in what happened in between. 
Um, as I say, there's never a dull moment with the seat. And the following election, there was a huge swing to the Conservatives, with them winning the seat with 44% of the vote, 36% going to the Lib Dems, so 80% to the two biggest parties in the ward. And then in the following 2019 elections, things got a lot closer. Again, there's never a dull moment in East Neon Craneswater. Um, as Jenny Brent had been elected in 2015 as a Conservative, crossed the floor to join the Lib Dems, stood as a Liberal Democrat, um, came second to another Conservative who now stands as an independent. But what we need to look at is the Labour vote has has moved around pretty quickly. I think I said in 2018 that the Lib Dems were second. They weren't. I've done the Labour Party a disservice. So their vote is sharing. If you look at it through the pundit's eyes, which is what I'm paid to do, although I'm not paid, um, it looks like a two-horse race. But with 10% of the vote last time going to parties that aren't standing this time, and it was only a 10% winning margin with the Lib Dems and Labour neck and neck, on May the 6th, it's down to the good people of Eastney and Craneswater to decide. Thank you, Ian. Um, so we'll just give the um, the two candidates an, an opportunity to introduce themselves and their parties, and then we'll go to the um, go to the opening and closing speech. So the, well, we do the opening speeches first. We'll get to the closing speeches later on. Um, and in our um, highly technical coin toss um, that we did before going live, uh, Matthew Winnington um, won the toss and decided to uh, seed the um, seed the position so that Craig would go go first when we have that. So I'm going to follow that order. Craig, if you can just introduce yourself and confirm the party you're standing for, please. Hi, uh, good evening. Um, thanks for having me. So I'm Craig Withy. I'm the Labour Party candidate. Thank you very much. And Matthew? Yeah, I'm Matthew Winnington. I'm the sitting councillor and I'm the Liberal Democrats party candidate. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Okay, so um, without further ado, let's go to the opening speeches. Craig. Hi, yeah, uh, good evening, everyone. I'm Craig Withy, the Labour Party candidate. Um, I live here in Eastern Craneswater, and after a career in the armed forces, I'm proud to call Portsmouth, the home of the Royal Navy, my home. I honestly feel that Eastern Craneswater is the best area in the city to live in, but it could be so much more. That's why I'm running now to become a city councillor for this area. I believe in a fairer, stronger, greener area for everyone to enjoy, whether you choose to live, work or study here. I've seen with my own eyes in recent years the decline in public services and now feel I want to give something back to the community that I live in by stepping up to the plate once again and serving as a city councillor. Our area needs someone with a renewed drive, determination and real ambition that is severely lacking currently. My career in the armed forces has given me excellent experience and traits in public service and leadership. That has, it's also left me, left me with a sense of pride and brought to me a set of skills that I can use to the maximum amount in serving this area. Thank you for having me along this evening and I look forward to answering your questions. Thank you, Craig. Uh, Matthew, your opening speech, please. Thank you, Simon. Um, so I've been a councillor for nine years. Uh, I've actually been campaigning in the ward for uh, for eleven years. Um, so I have I've I've knocked on just about every single door in this ward in those eleven years that I've been working very very hard for the people of Eastney and Craneswater. 
and I've got a record of achievements. I've got a record of achievements of bringing back the Hailing Ferry. I led the work to do that when no one else would take any action, and I led the work to do that. Um, I One of the first things I was involved with when I was first elected nine years ago was about tackling the antisocial behaviour in uh, Waverley Park and around Waverley Road. Through that intervention, we've had police patrols around there consistently for the last nine years, and that is on their radar all the time, and they can make that, and they can work on that. That simply didn't happen before I was on the council. Um, on planning issues right across the wards, we've had some really awful schemes that have been stopped, but also I make sure that people's views are heard at planning committee. Even when we haven't been successful in stopping uh, planning schemes, the people of Eastern Cranes would have had me as their voice to have their say. And then in my in my day-to-day -day life, I have a record of public service. I was a civil servant for 12 and a half years. Um, that was after I chose to move to Portsmouth, which I've been at 19 years now, all that time living in Southsea. I've also worked as a support worker locally, working with some of the most vulnerable people in our community, right across the city, including in Eastern Craneswater. So I understand what it's like for the most, uh, for the people who are most deprived and what they're, what they're um, struggling with in their day-to-day -day lives. And now uh, I work for a local um, mental health charity as a manager of a service for people with dementia. So that gives me a really good understanding of what the different needs of people are. And that's not even including speaking to all of those people on the doorstep, because that, to be absolutely honest, that's the only way you really understand what is going on in the ward by going out and speaking to people. And I love doing that. I love being Council for Eastern Craneswater. It is the best ward in the city. It has uh, the best seafront in the city by far. And it is, it is a, a great pride for me to uh, represent it. And I really hope that I will be able to continue representing it for a long, long time into the future. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Okay, so let's move on to our first question. Um, and I'll ask that question. And um, that question goes first to Craig. So Craig, um, Eastern Craneswater has one of the better voter turnouts in the city with, with a turnout uh, of around 40%. What do you think this is? Um, I, I think it comes back to what I said in the, in the opening statement about it being one of the, the best areas in, in the city to live. I think it's testament to the people that live here that they are so um, engaged in, in public life and, and do want to have the, their voices heard. Um, we certainly have a, a very active population um, politically. We've seen that in, in recent years on some of the big issues that have, have come around. Um, while we say that it does have one of the, the highest turnouts in, in the city, however, I, I do feel that that's not across the entire ward. Um, and it's something that we do need to, to look at and, and not take for granted those those areas that do have the, the higher turnout. I mean, we the ward is one of the most diverse um, across the city. You've got um, the more sort of affluent areas of Craneswater Park um, and then sort of... A, quite a student dense area in the streets off Albert Road and Highland Road. Um, and then the the, the, um, the armed forces housing down um, at the Ferry Road end. So none of these things can really be taken for granted in a, in a, a, a centre of turnout. Um, and turnout really could be a, a lot higher um, in some areas as well. 
Um, speaking to people out on the doorstep recently, um, where I've really sort of made myself extremely visible, um, there are areas out there that, that feel left behind um, by by the current sitting council and, and by the administration. And what I want to do is is to to change that. And um, pe people are sort of enjoying the fact that I'm, I'm being as, as visible as I can, um, especially in, in the lower turnout areas such as the the ferry road end that, that I've mentioned. People down seconds. there. Are, are happy to see um, somebody coming coming round and, and speaking to them. I know Matthew mentioned that he'd, he'd knocked on on every door, um, but that isn't what I'm getting on on the doorstep currently. People are saying that they are are left behind in these these areas where turnout was low, um, and I, I really want to turn that round. People should be listened to, um, and and people do want to hear their voices heard more, which is really what can, can I'm you... standing for, and and what I want to begin to push even more. Um, so yeah, if you can draw your remarks to a, a close, a, a please, high, Craig. Sorry. Um, a high turnout. Um, I do think that we can improve on it. I shouldn't be taking it for granted, um, and engage in those that even aren't as engaged as, as what those are in the higher areas. So, thank you. Thank you. Um, I I let you for the first time out to have a bit of latitude with with the time um because i, I said right. that with only the two of you would be fine but um but yeah just to uh, just to call it i'll call out um at 20 seconds out and i'll try and call out at 10 seconds out as well just to, to just to give you both a chance to um make sure you get your, your key points across okay thanks thank you um matthew same question oh, oh. Okay, That's, well, he's back. Are you still there, Matthew? Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah, everything just froze for a minute. So I um, okay. don't know what happened. But yeah, hopefully it should be all right. Thank you. So um, that question, please, your two minutes. Yeah, um, I, I think Craig, Craig uh, went on to some of the points about there, certainly demographics, um, some of the demographics, especially in the western part of the wards. Um, are wealthier and if you look at the uh, way turnout works that's that's uh, generally the case but I think one of the really big issues here is about um, engagement by uh, especially the fight between ourselves and the Conservatives in the ward um, to actually win the ward um, and, th and that has driven the turnout up over years when I was first elected in 2012 though there were some fights there we only had 32 percent turnout in the ward and that was even with, uh, and that's was still one of the highest in, in in the in the city in that year. And then when I last won, uh, uh, it was forty one percent five years ago. So it really does sort of push that turnout up because they know that it's a, a, a fight between ourselves and the Conservatives, and that really engages people uh, within the ward as a whole. Um, and I, I I just want to sort of rebut um, a bit about uh, what Craig said about uh, under underrepresented areas. Obviously, there's some parts of the wall where the turnover of, of, of people is very high. And that's why, of course, in the last year with the pandemic, we haven't been able to get out on the doorsteps all the time and speak to all those people. So though there might be people who haven't seen me over that time, uh, there is there are obviously reasons for that in the last year. Um, and 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 I'll be I'll be absolutely honest with you. Before I came along in this ward, nobody, absolutely nobody, spoke to people in really low turnout areas of the city, of of the ward because they weren't interested in them. I am interested in seconds. them. I go out and speak to people, but I also go out delivering and going around that area as well to make sure I know what's going on. 
and I'll be absolutely honest. Ten seconds. The thing about the Hayling Ferry, that wouldn't have happened without speaking those people down there because they were the people most affected. So that's what I think it is. Turnout can always be higher, but it's a really interesting thing that in the, the area of the city that is even more wealthy than Eastern Craneswater, has even more wealthy areas, um, Drayton and Farlington, the turnout has been going down over the last few years. Amongst to a close, it's, not a, it's not a fight. So that that's that's really what drives the turnout. Okay. Thank you Thank very you. much. I've given a bit of equal latitude with regard to the timing on, on that question um, in the interest of fairness. Um, do either of you want to use a 60-second rebuttal to the responses of the of the other? Craig? Uh, yeah, just a very quick rebuttal on that, just on, on the remark about this being a, a fight between um, the Lib De Liberal Democrats and the Conservatives. Um, as Ian said with his, with his stats, our vote share has gone up every single year. Um, and hopefully um, we're going to see it go up even even higher this year and we, we actually get a, a, a Labour um, takeover of, of this. We don't feel anymore that it's um, a two-horse race. Um, if anything, it's a two-horse race between the two candidates here tonight. Um, so, yeah, that's my, my only point on that. Um, thanks. Thank you, Craig. Right. Okay. Um, so shall we move on to the next question? Yep. So clean air zones for Portsmouth. Good or a bad idea, Matt? So I think the concept of a clean air zone is is fine. Um, it, it, it has some merit to it. However, we have it, all we have is a concept here and we have an imposed clean air zone by the Conservative governments, which is nothing more than the sticking plaster. It's not something that is going to make a huge amount of difference. And indeed, what it's going to do is just going to push pollution around the city um, because the only thing they'll fund is that it's a clean air zone for where it is. And actually, it doesn't tackle a lot of the issues that, uh, that we have in terms of the amount of cars that it, 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 um, or vehicles that it uh, affects. The real issue is, is that the central government has turned down the calls from this council for things that would make a real difference to air pollution, active travel, et cetera, in the city, which were things like free bus passes for everyone in the city, and same amount of uh, uh, walking and cycling infrastructure spending as you have in London. Things like that, that is not happening. So this clean air zone is a bit of a sledgehammer to crack a nut. All it's going to do is shift shift pollution around, and it's not going to do the job that it's, it's doing. And as soon as it's got compliance, the government are going to take the money away. So concept's great, but implementation and imposition is not what this city needs. Thank you, Matt. And so to Craig. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, to... For me, um, of course, a clean air zone is, is a good idea. Um, Labour have, have led from the front um, on the, the current climate issues. I mean, it was Labour that declared um, the climate emergency from the very start with the motion raised at full council. Um, I mean, we've got children within Portsmouth that are, are breathing in some of the dirtiest air in the country. Um, 11,000 residents in Portsmouth have lung problems caused by dirty air according to the British Lung Foundation. And I, I feel really that Matthew should be picking up on these points as his um, as his brief under um, the cabinet member for health. Um, I mean, it, it's a social justice issue, really. I think as well um, with the, the poorest in the city suffering most. I mean, we know that the 
that the Lib Dems cut down the um, the clean air zone that was proposed and took out um, Kingston Fratton Road, etc. Some of the most polluted areas in the city. And we honestly, I, I think that there's a, a lack of ambition on this climate emergency. Um, Labour are the ones that are really sort of taking it seriously, want to, to progress with it and want to cut emissions. I mean, yes, Matt mentioned things about um, better sort of cycling infrastructure, green streets and, and better public transport. But the action needs to start. And if um, if a CAS is the, the place to start, then, then let's go ahead and start. Matt did mention about um, pushing pollution around the city. If that's the problem, then why have we cut the zone um, to, to being smaller? A smaller zone surely would push it around even more. Extending a clean air zone takes away that, that problem. Thank you, Craig. Matt? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to respond to to that. I, I think the whole point is, is that, that, you know, trying to make this into some kind of class issue or about which which children are more deserving or not deserving to have pollution is a is a is a bit of a, a poor way to put things. All you're going to do if you if you move things around because the government, if the government had said there was a clean air zone for the whole of Port Sea Island, they would fund it. Then that would be fine because you can't push pollution around but this isn't they said we will only fund this clean air zone for a certain area you will only be able to get any fines from that zone if you go for that otherwise you have to pay for it yourself which would be millions and millions of pounds which and then we wouldn't even get the fines uh, money back to be able to invest into clean air projects etc so um someone someone in cotton the roads is no more less deserving a child in cotton the road is no more less deserving of making sure they can they can have clean air than uh, than in in the city centre. However, because of the because of the um, way that the government has decided to do that, that's exactly what's going to happen. That you're going to make things better for children in one area of the city, and you're going to make it worse for children in other areas of the city. And that is just a really poor way of doing things. So I, I'm really disappointed in in that that's what's happened from the government. Uh, but but. That, that's where we are. But if, think of what we could have done if they'd actually given what this city council as a whole, all parties back that, that call from government to give us what we need for to actually make a, a long-lasting difference for air pollution in this city. Thank you, Matt. Craig? Um, yeah, just a complete lack of substance, I think, there from Matt. Sorry. Um, the, blame, blaming central government for something that the city council has has the power to to do themselves i, I don't think is really washing to be honest okay gentlemen under the nature of the rules i'm going to draw a line of that question there if i can just remind you to keep rebuttals down to a minute that would be splendid okay so question three um and and again i'll this is firstly to craig um, which electoral laws that apply to local elections would you seek to change if you had the power? So on, on this, um, I do think that Portsmouth does suffer uh, somewhat with, it, with its current model um, of yearly elections with, with a fallow year on the, on the fourth year. Um, what what I, I think Labour um, would like to see would be a shift to all-out elections every four years. Um, what this then does bring um, is a sense of, of sort of political stability. What we have now um, is a system where the, the current administration are constantly in 
that that campaign mode, constantly thinking about the next election. Um, and it really brings about a level of, of inaction, really. Um, we, what we what we find is that where councillors are, are, are scared of, of making a big decision that could lose them a couple of votes, they tend to slack off and, and not do that. Um, an all out election every four years would give an administration a chance to really put forward a radical agenda, bring in some some changes, some long term changes, rather than just these short, sharp, knee jerk, scattergun approaches to projects across the city. Um, and it would it would help in the long run and bring about some excellent change. The Labour Party budget recently um, included four all out elections every four years. It, it was voted down um, by the administration. Um, and the, the cost savings on it um, as well would, would be immense. I mean, money that could then be diverted to schools, libraries, public services and social care, rather than wasting money on, on elections every year, let's spend it better somewhere else. Thank you very much. Uh, Matthew? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll use my rebuttal time to come back to what Craig said, because uh, what, what I've got to say, I think, is... If you if your connection's up to it, um, the idea of the two minutes is for you to have your answer. Um, it's it's actually a, a lot more important about um, uh, proportional representation, having fair vote for every level just because that would promote people working together um, rather than sort of uh, sort of hiding behind and, and not getting involved, actually talking to other parties, which is something that does not happen at the moment in this city. Um, even when administrations go out and put the hand out to, to talk, no matter who's running the city, you, you often get opposition parties to who just aren't interested in and just keep stum. Um, ever actually having everyone in the city being able to vote on local council, um, local council election, it's their community. It doesn't matter where you come from in the world. Everyone is part of this city in Portsmouth. And it's really important that, that people should have their say. And it, I, I, don't, I don't really care where they're from because we still have to work for them. They st we still have to, um, uh, you know, support them for any issues they have. And we do. And that should be what what um, I would change in electoral law. Of course, these, we're talking about national law here that would enable us to properly represent the people of the city and for the people to have their say as well. Um, thank you, Matthew. Um, I don't know whether you want to consider joining for audio from a telephone dial in. Um, Craig, did you have any rebuttal? Um Due to Matt's connection issues, I didn't really get much of what he was saying. So, no, there's no rebuttal on that one for me. So, while Matthew does that quickly, sorry, I just, um, so apologies, Craig. Um, what I'll do is I'll just quickly talk um, about the other hustings that we've got coming up just to just to give us a, a chance to, to continue the flow. Um, so, 
um, after the hustings today, um, the, the show um, will be uploaded as a, as a podcast um, later in the evening. The only thing we'll edit out is any technical issues or gaps. Um, we won't be editing anybody's, um, anybody's responses um, in any way whatsoever. Um, so you get a clear, you get a, a, an audio version basically of, of the experience as, as our listeners are getting it now as a live stream. On Sunday, the 25th, we've got Charles Dickens Ward. So at 6.27pm on Sunday, um, so we'll be um, joined by uh, the Conservative candidate, uh, Renu, Dr. Renu Raj, and the Labour candidate, uh, Kirsty Meller. Um, we've reached out to the Trade Union and Socialist Coalition um, candidate, but um, unfortunately have struggled to find any contact details. Um, and um, we've um, unfortunately, um, we understand that the... Um, the Liberal Democrat candidate, Yaya Chowdhury, um, isn't going to be able to attend the hustings. Um, on the 2nd of May, we've got the uh, Central South Sea Award hustings. Um, so we have confirmed um, attendees. We've got um, Charlotte Garada from the Labour Party and we've got uh, Charles Douglas from the Conservative Party as confirmed um, attendees at the moment. We're still waiting to hear um, a confirmation from other candidates. Be nice for me to have some conservatives on, won't it? Um, Feeling rather lonely thus far. <laughs> no comment. Um, well, okay. Um, don't do it. So other um, technical issues not with well, withstanding. Uh, please don't uh, don't forget that you can enjoy any of our hustings. Um, there'll be um, as um, live streams on our Facebook page. So if you follow or like. Um, our Facebook page, you'll get notifications whenever we go live. Normally we go live at 6.27pm on a Sunday evening. Um, and um, you'll see the previous hustings that we've had, which have been the Paulsgrove hustings and the Hampshire and Isle of Wight Police and Crime Commissioner hustings. Um, so we did that most recently on Sunday. Um, so you can find all of those there. Um, after the local elections, we're going to take a couple of weeks um off to recuperate and then we'll be back let's um let's carry on so apologies craig uh, apologies to our audience um and so we'd gotten to the end of um end of that question um and should we move on to the, to the next one i Ian? think matt had indicated that he wanted to come back on um craig's well, statement yeah yeah it was it was just about the um uh, it was just about the four year of the elections i think um I mean, personally, I, I don't have any issue with uh, with uh, the people of the city having their say in the elections as often as possible. Uh, and actually, I think it's the old what price democracy argument uh, that democracy is the most fundamental thing that people can do, having participation. We've already talked about uh, lack of um, uh, that turnout, even in, in the highest turnout ward in the city, which is easily in Craneswater, is uh, about 42 percent uh, in local elections. I think if you went to four year the elections, you would get, actually get more disengagement. Uh, the experience from uh, people is that they just don't see anyone for three years and then everyone just piles in in, in the last year. So I think that's uh, that's a bit of a misnomer there. Um, and I think it's just I, I think it, it well serves us having three year the elections because it keeps uh, it keeps us accountable as councillors uh, and as local parties to the electorate. Thank you, Matthew. Okay, let's move so, on. So next question. Closing the seafront road during the pandemic, was that fair to the people of Eastney and Craneswater, Matt? Um, so um, I think it was, it was necessary. 
Um, it was uh, after advice from uh, public health and the police. Um, and uh, it was fair in, in that way on the people of the city. And unfortunately, sometimes things have to happen in certain areas that impact local people in, in one particular area, um, which are for the benefit of everyone in the city. And that was one of those circumstances. Um, what is an important learning curve from this, though, is that that seafront road is going to be closed when the sea defences are built along there. And that will be for over a year. Um, and actually, as a dry room for making sure that communication is right, for uh, diversions, etc., to be right, so that the they're not uh, so all the traffic doesn't go down one particular road has happened, uh, unfortunately, uh, last year. Um, that 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 will actually give that opportunity to to learn from the um, the problems that there were uh, with that with that being closed. However, the seafront closure did enable the social distancing. It was good for public health and public safety issues, and it was the right thing to do. Thank you, Matt. Craig. Um, yeah, I just want to start by pointing out that Matt didn't actually answer the, the question there about it being fair on residents of East Cranes Water. Um, so the, the direct answer um, to uh, was it fair on the residents of East Cranes Cranswater? Um, I, I don't think it was. Um, the, the merits for or against closing the actual seafront and the, the wider benefits um, can be discussed as a separate topic. But those those people that were directly affected by it, um, I don't think it was fair on them. Um, we we see this theme time and time again currently though with the the, the Lib Dems and their their lack of, of public consultation on on many issues across the city. With the, I mean they've done it with uh, Bransbury Park closing the pyramids. Um, this, the, the seafront, the rollout of parking zones across the city. There seems to be this theme of, of done deals um, within the Lib Dem administration that um, these decisions are made even well before the, the public consultation happens. To, to, to make these big decisions, you've got to take the public with you. Um, and that's not what we're seeing, um, which is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm standing and I, and I want to come in and change this because I believe that residents need to be represented. Um, we, we can't just bring something in um, because we feel like it's a good idea, whether that affects your own, own opinion. Um, people are fed up um, of the Lib Dems across the city, and this is one of the main reasons, their lack of public consultation on these big issues. Um, and, and what we see time and time again is these sort of, I mean, some call them vanity projects, um, where there is no consultation. Um, I, I know that the, the Labour are pushing this line quite a bit seconds. and it's one of the reasons, again, I'm standing and we need to see more of it. So the, the wider issue of the seafront closure is maybe another topic, but the fairness on those residents that were directly affected, no, it wasn't. Matt, did you want to come back on that? Yes, please. Yeah. And, and, and actually, I think I think uh, I think Craig needs to make up his mind. He, he said to us about we're not making the big decisions. And he said we put things off and then he's criticising us for making tough decisions. Um, I, I think he's a bit of a nonsense, really. Um, as I said, this was about public health and police advice to close that road. That was what that was what it was based on. It was not an easy decision. It was a tough decision. And we took it in the best interest of the people of the city. And in terms of consultation, there have been 25,000 responses to consultations in this city in the last year, 
That is more than any administration ever in any year in this council's history. So, yes, there has been an enormous amount of consultation, and that's even despite the pandemic and not being able to do, um, in some cases, any face-to-face consultation whatsoever because we're not able to do exhibitions, etc. So I, I completely defend our, our, uh, our record on consultation. We could always get more. We could always have more people involved, but we are doing our very best, especially in case of the pandemic, where we haven't been able to do that face-to-face. Thank you, Matt. Craig? Yeah, um, I, obviously, I, I don't agree. Um, across the ward and on the doorstep, lack of public consultation is one of the biggest themes um, that we're seeing. There needs to be more of it. Yes, Matthew, we want the administration to make these tough decisions. I think it needs to be making more of them, but bring the public with you when you're doing it and not make these decisions behind closed doors, as you've done uh, time and time again, with the pyramids being the prime example. Gentlemen, in the, under the rules of engagement, we will move on to the next question. Thank you, Ian. Um, with it being reported, plans exist to remove parking along Albert Road and to close Festing Road to cars. What are your thoughts on these reported plans? And that goes to Craig first, please. Um, it's a funny one. So, I, I mean, I, I suspect uh, this is possibly coming from some of our friends with, with Blue Rosettes. Um, they seem to be the only ones that... Um, uh, are sort of perpetuating this myth that everybody wants to ban cars um, in Portsmouth, which is very far from the truth. Um, I think what, what Labour wants to see and what I want to see um, is that, that roads are opened up for, for more public use um, and made safer for um, more forms of active travel, as we see in, in other areas up and down the country that's going really well. Um, I mean, this includes sort of living streets, um, lower traffic neighbourhoods, but not a ban, um, I think, as, as this makes out. And, I mean, I've, I've looked at, at, at the plans for the, the traffic plan and there isn't anything there um, about banning um, cars at all. Um, we still need to obviously maintain places for people to park. Um, and I, I think we, we should be supporting these these um, living streets. Um, as as far as it goes for, for a rollout um, of this, I wouldn't wouldn't trust the current administration in doing it. I mean, we look at the the Elm Grove fiasco um, last year when there was an attempt to bring in this this cycle lane. It was too late in the year. It was the wrong time of year. We were going to a lockdown, and it was just made a complete mess of it. Again, lack of public consultation with businesses and residents, and it completely failed. So if we are to push forward this agenda of greening our streets, making them safer and encouraging active travel, then we need to get better uh, at the rollout. 20 um, seconds. Albert Road, again, um, why have we not had a, a, a sort of a, a shopping centre manager for the South Sea area um, that could encourage the, the vibrancy of the seconds. areas and get more people um, to come back? The high streets are suffering, um, so we wouldn't be bringing in anything that, that would ban um people from, from visiting there, that it should be encouraged even more. Um, we don't you want to make that situation close, even worse. So um, back to, to, to the question, I, I don't think that there is um, anybody wanting to, to ban cars, as it says. But yes, I do encourage opening the roads up to better active travel um, to make them safer for residents. Thank you. I'm going to ask both candidates to please pair closer closer mind to the to the time the longer we take with each question the less questions we get in um and i hope you both agree that it's important to the 
people that have, su- have submitted questions that we get through um, as, as many as possible. Um, that question to Matthew, please. Yeah, and, and I, 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 um, uh, following on from what Craig said, there, in there, there is no plan to do this on on um, on, on Albert Roads. Uh, there is a um, <clears throat> uh, an officer uh, proposal that uh, w- was just about for uh, you could consider doing this, uh, and it was it was quashed immediately because uh, we're not in a position uh, to do this at the moment. Uh, and and actually, there there is. There's no way you would want to do that in terms of uh, of the effect it would have on on traders. Um, and then there's the Festing Road scheme, and, and this is the really interesting one because this was in a plan uh, that uh, came up with just a, a myriad of of indicative schemes around the city that not a single opposition councillor said that they were, they had any issue with when it came to cabinets or even when it came to full council at all. Um, and then it was just plucked completely out of context. Um, and not as the indicative scheme it would be. Um, things like this would only happen if uh, we had a real modal shift in actual travel, which is, I think, what every part, well, certainly ourselves and Labour want uh, on the council, but I don't think the Conservatives do, um, want a complete modal shift to actually get people to have uh, be uh, using active travel more. And of course, all these things will be subject to full consultation. So uh, there are no secret plans. And indeed, the Festing Road scheme was in public and it wasn't opposed by anyone uh, until it appeared on a Conservative leaflet. Thank you, Matthew. Are there any rebuttals, gentlemen? Uh, Not on that one from me, no. I think that's fine. Thank you very much. Moving on to the... Yep, next question, gentlemen. And I am going to ask you to be specific and... What specifically are the biggest issues facing the residents of East New Crane's water? And I'll ask Matt to answer that first. Thank you. I, th- I think that the really important thing about East New Crane's water is it is a long, thin ward. So there are different issues that are most important to different areas. So um, just going quickly from east to west. So in the east of the area, the two biggest issues at the moment are Aquins the interconnector cable, the massive amount of disruption that will cause the lives of everyone, especially in the uh, area east, uh, in the ferry road area, um, and and, uh, and going up to um, around um, Henson Road, um, and also the Fraser Range. That's a huge issue in terms of when when that application comes to fruition and making sure the infrastructure is right. And of course, should there even be the housing there already, uh, in the centre of the area, um, which, so uh, around the Highland, uh, between Albert Road and the, uh, uh, sorry, Highland Road and the seafront, a huge amount around sea defences, and there's also issues with bike thefts and things like that, and some some petty theft going on. And in the west, again, you have sea, sea defences, and you have the ongoing issues with antisocial behaviour, uh, and also that is something that goes across the ward as well, uh, in antisocial behaviour, especially around uh, South Parade Pier over at Eastney Point and round Brantry Park. Thank you, Matt. And so, Craig. Um, yeah, so I, I think there's, there's, there's a, a two part to this, really. There's sort of the, the physical things um, that, that people can see uh, within the ward. Uh, big ones that, that we're hearing at the minute um, are the, the, the worries around the future of the um, Eastney Pool site. Um, what's going to happen with that? People don't want to see it to be sold off as housing. Um, the new leisure centre at Brantry Park. 
um, mismanagement of parking scheme rollout. Um, people, are, some areas are, are being affected more than others. Um, some areas are benefiting from the parking schemes, some aren't. Um, then there's, yeah, as Matt mentioned, that the fly tipping hotspots around the ward. I mean, we could name sort of three or four of those. Aquind um, will be one of the biggest things to come in, in the next couple of years, really, um, to see if, if this, this goes ahead. Um, and then there's sort of the, the, the non-physical things that people can't see. I mean, the, the 5% increase in council tax um, is, is a big one that I don't think get, gets mentioned enough. I mean, family incomes that are being stretched by it. Um, and I mean, this is happening on, on the Liberal Democrats' watch as well. Um, bigger than that, um, cuts to the NHS, um, social care. People are bothered that um, the NHS pay rise was so bad this year. Um, rampant cronyism within, within the Tory party. Um, and all of these really sort of coming from a long period of austerity. Um, Eastern Ukraine's what to me needs to come first. Um, and be, I mean, really before any sort of political allegiances are, are put put together. Um, I want to, to work to to fix these problems and not kick them down the road, really, as we've we've seen recently. Um, and that comes with, with listening to people. 20 seconds. And as we said, people are underrepresented. So it's the listening thing that's really going to kick that off. So thanks. Thank you, Craig. Matt, any comeback on that? Yeah, just uh, just a couple of bits. Obviously, the parking zones, parking zones go where people want them. Uh, the the rolling programme we've got, which has been ongoing for a few years now, is exactly what happens in places like Labour Run, uh, Brighton and Labour Run Central London Boroughs. It's the only way of doing it. Uh, and just, just again, the Eastley Pool site, Labour are peddling this lie that's going to be sold off for housing. That's, that site will not be sold off for any reason if if the swimming pool goes from there it will be retained by the council and anything that happens there will be done by the council it will not be sold off whatsoever thank you matt greg um that well, Matt's statement there on the pool wasn't what his uh, deputy leader uh, made a statement about recently so i'd suggest that he, he speaks to him um yeah that's it on me okay, thank you gentlemen and simon over to you Okay, so next question. Eastling Cranes Water um, in its Community Infrastructure Levy Fund. Um, so this is the fund that's contributed to by developers um, when they um, when they um, execute developments within the ward. Um, there's £15,000 in the fund in Eastling Cranes Water. What should it be spent on? That question to Craig, please. Um, so some of the things that we've already spoken about tonight would be ideal um, for this. Um, improved cycling infrastructure, the, the bike hangers, um, that recently been rolled out in other parts of the city are missing uh, from Eastley and Crane's water. So one of those, two of those would be ideal. Um, as well, what what, we, what I'm hearing on the doorstep from people is they want to see more investment in the seafront. Um, that sort of stretch between South Parade Pier and, and Eastley Pool is a bit barren. Um, so I think £15,000 would, would go well there um, to bring in some, some provision for uh, some pop-up traders on, on sort of a, a low business rate um, food, crafts, maybe some, some live music, something for that area um, that's really lacking. Again, um, other things we could use it for, um, planters in streets um, to, as part of the Living Street Project for, um, for traffic calming. I mean, I, I will comment while we're talking on, on the sill recently um, about the money that was given from the sill to, to Mark Lewis for the mural um, with, that's, that's within the ward. Um, it's good that that's happened um, and the, the Tories aren't here to defend their, their record um, 
where they berated the artist um, and, and didn't want that um, that funding issued. I, I do think that the administration could have given that funding out without the circus um, that came with it. Um, so really, if, if we were going to invest more from the sale in East Ukraine, what we want it to be done and action taken rather than using it as, as a political tool like that was. Thank you, Craig. Matthew. Um, so uh, uh, to start with, um, for the uh, remaining cell we have in the wards, so um, in um, very recently uh, come to agreement with the traffic department that um, we will um, be looking to put some cell into the new uh, zebra crossing on Eastern Parade, which is something that uh, people have been uh, asking for in the ward for longer than I've been campaigning in it. So that that's uh, more than uh, more than twelve years. So that's that's something uh, which we can really make a difference with with our seal money. For the rest of it, though, I think it really is up to it's up to local groups, it's up to local people. Let us know what you want and where you want it. And I think that that's always a really good uh, a really good way of doing it. That's what has has, has uh, happened uh, over the last few times. So recently, we've had the seal. That's gone in with the uh, with the um, sports club down at down in Eastney. Uh, we've had the uh, Eastney Beam House, etc. Has, has come. They've come forward with it. A lot of it is the community generation. I think that's really important. And absolutely, as if people let me know as ward councillor um, and uh, what what it is they want, they want things spent on, then we can get that spend out there as well. Um, I, I I will come uh, will come to the. Uh, Mark Lewis situation. Someone said to me in email, they said it's literally what community infrastructure levy is there for. So um, whether Craig thinks it was a political ploy, it wasn't. It was because it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to put that application and work with Mark to put that application in, as I did. And it's just a real shame the Conservatives didn't just not support it, they actively opposed it, which was an absolute disgrace. Thank you. Um, any rebuttal there, Craig? Um, no, just, uh, I mean, obviously, I, I, I know uh, from speaking to, to Mark that he had been trying to get that funding for, for several years. Um, and then all of a sudden things sort of happened quite quickly, which is is why it it does look as, as if there was a bit more of a, a political spectacle made of it than when he could have just had the funding allocated years ago. Okay. Thank you very much. Next question. Some say to represent a ward, you have to live in the ward. How would you respond, Matt? Um, I, I think the most important thing about representing a ward is making sure you represent the people in the wards. Uh, and again, this comes from speaking to them. This comes from advocating for them. This comes from uh, doing all that you can to make sure that their voice is heard. And that is the most important point. Uh, some of our most successful councillors in the city haven't lived in their wards, uh, in the ward they represent. Uh, and indeed, um, uh, uh, and including um, various leaders of the councils, um, uh, in, indeed, uh, some of our uh, councillors who are our current or former MPs uh, don't live or haven't lived in their ward when they've been uh, councillors. So I, I think the way that, uh, the way that you, the way you work for your ward is the most important thing rather than 
do you happen to live with it, especially in a city like Portsmouth, where we where wall boundaries are very arbitrary. Um, uh, we all live in our community. For example, I've lived in Southsea for 19 years. I use all the same things as people in, in the ward do. I happen to live just outside the wards. I don't think it makes any difference whatsoever. Thank you, Matt. Craig? Um, it's, well, I'm, I think I'm obviously going to um, come back on, on that with a different view. I, I do think that it is important. Um, I, I live in East Neen Craneswater. Um, I, I, and, yeah, to, to me, I want to represent the area that, that I live in. Um, and I think that's, that's very important. I think living in the area and, and living and, and breathing that experience does bring with it um, an energy and an enthusiasm um, that somebody maybe lives outside can't bring. Um, you, I, I can look out of my window and see the problems in East Ian Crane's water when somebody that lives outside um, can't do that. Um, I, and again, when, so when the Labour Party was coming up for, for, for nominations and selections for, for candidates, I, I, I've made it quite clear from the start that I would only take um, East Neon Crane's water. Um, I wasn't interested in, in an area that I didn't live in because I felt somebody else who did live in that area could do a much better job. Thank you, Craig. Either of you want to come back at all? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to come back. I mean, I think it's it's just a bit of a strange thing for for Craig to be sitting here and saying this when um, when he's uh, when he's now now just former leader of his group, uh, Stephen Morgan, lives in St Jude and represents Charles Dickens, and we have a St Jude councillor who lives in in the Baffins area in Graham Heaney, and and it's a, just a bit of a strange thing. I mean, I can understand it as a personal point of view. Um, but I, it's just something, I mean, I live closer to most of the East Neen Cranes water than Craig does, just because he lives very, very right at the western part of it. And so, and, and we've already talked about the fact that it's it's lots of different communities. So actually having the experience of a very small part of East Neen Cranes water doesn't mean that you, you therefore know what the rest of the ward is doing. So it's about how you engage with people across any ward. I don't have any issue with uh, someone not living in the ward they want to represent. It's all about making sure that as long as they engage with people, if they don't engage with people, then then it, it does become a, a, a problem there. Craig? No, I'm good, thanks. Thank you. Simon? Thank you, Ian. Okay, so you have some lovely green areas in the in East Indian Cranes water. What would you do to deter litterers? That question first to Craig, please. Um, so I, I, I do think that, that littering, and I'm, I'm going to tie this in with, with fly tipping as well, because I, I do think that the two go, go hand in hand. Um, the, the area really sort of struggles to cope sometimes with, um, with littering and, and fly tipping. Um, I, I think that there's a twofold approach to this. One needs to be um, a, sort of a change in, in attitudes and, and education. Um, I, I feel we could do a lot more work with, with schools, um, and stuff on the issue. I mean, what, what people find and what they tell me is that schools teach a lot now um, on plastics, but it's kind of forgotten the messaging around litter. So I think we need to bring that back. Um, there are several fly tipping hotspots in East Neen Crane's Water, um, sort of at the bottom end of, of Waverley Road, the end of Henderson Road, um, up around East Neen Lake, around there. Um, I did write to the leader of, of the city council recently um, after residents had commented um, about these issues um, and asked about CCTV being rolled out to these hotspots, which I personally feel 
would go a long way to be a deterrent. Um, the, the leader of the city council came back with something that was quite childish and really just playing party politics. And I didn't get a straight answer about um, about whether or not it would be possible to roll out that CCTV. So what if elected in May, it's something that I'd want to look at immediately um, and, and sort out looking at the CCTV for those areas and to stop this happening because it, it's a big effect on on people's lives. Um, I'm also taking part in, in Stephen Morgan's uh, Keep Britain Tidy campaign, um, really sort of rolling my sleeves up and going out and, and helping with picking up litter as well. I mean, I've done several beach cleans um, last summer and we'll do it again this year. So thank you. Thank you very much, Craig. Matthew. I think it, it's some of the things is just very basic. Um, it's just about making sure that you've got uh, you've got more bins um, around. And, and I know when we when we came in 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 2018, uh, one of the thing one of the first things we did was actually get uh, a lot more bins out in public areas. So the bins you see now, uh, when when we we're able to, uh, when we have um, uh, sort of large crowds, etc around on, on the common and uh, around Canoe Lake and places like that simply did not exist uh, when the Conservatives were last running the council. So that's a really fundamental, uh, basic basic thing to do there. And also now we've got the, uh, we're, we're continuing the rollout of the of the recycling bins, et cetera, as well. Uh, so that makes a real difference so that people, rather than um, you, you relying on people taking their recycling home with them, you can actually use your bins yourself. It's also about uh, making sure that the um, uh, the uh, communication is out there. Um, we, we had the um, don't be a din, put it in the bin, which went down really well uh, across across the city and actually did have a real impact on that. And I think continuation of that sort of campaign is really important because actually a lot of people in the city will self-police. They will call out, and we know this, they will call out people who drop litter, etc. Especially when you've got lots of people around, um, because it's just not good enough. Um, but there's always more we can do. Um, I, I don't think it ever comes to a stop. Um, I, I think I think um, the CCTV on fire tipping. So, for example, we got a temporary one put out up at uh, at the Henson Road roundabout, and that was really successful. Seconds. So that might well be something we can uh, we can put in uh, longer term. But yeah, it, it, it is a problem. Um, everyone's got a part in it, and, and we all need to pull together on this because the people who litter and fly tip are are really are a stain on our community. Thank you very much, uh, Craig. Do you have any rebuttal to issue? Just just a quick one. Yeah, um, I, I know Matt mentioned about uh, the number of bins um, personally, and I know a lot of people in the ward uh, feel that there still aren't enough bins. Um, just to point out, I mean, when we came out of lockdown last summer, um, the appalling state of of the, the seafront and some of our more open areas was um, due to a lack of bins and a lack of preparation um, for that happening. So, yeah, I do think there needs to be a bit more of a proactive approach on this. Um, encouraging better recycling of, of people out and about um, is good. But then if there is nowhere for them to put anything, then it, stuff is going to get left behind. It's it's an awful trait of people out seconds. there, but it does happen. Thank you very much, uh, Matthew. Did you want to use your yeah? Just, just, to... just and it just might be helpful in the context. I mean, the, the amount of bins we had was effectively the very maximum we could. We were pulling in bins from all over the place. Um, uh, obviously, uh, nationally, there was a there was a huge huge um, 
surge in in in, in um, requirement. And we really did get as, as much as we possibly could out at the time. Um, and actually, one of the big issues as well was about staffing. And again, it was about, and, and this goes back to, uh, you know, and I, I know we both feel, have the same feelings on this, the cuts that have come from central governments, uh, especially the the ongoing situation, which just means the staffing to be able to empty the bins, etc. was, it, it, we've only got so many people we can use. And they were really going around and emptying and, and, and they were just filling up so quickly. So um, it, it's it, there's never a perfect solution, but um, we obviously the planning that did go in with the relatively short time that we had uh, was as good as it could be. But it can always be better, and and we yeah you can never as we go forward we can always have more bins. Thank you very much. So moving on from bins to so our next penultimate question. question, and this is one that's been formed over the day with a number of people contributing. So there is talk of both the, the Great Green Travel Initiative, and we have a number of people who've described the e-scooter trial as ludicrous and dangerous. What, what would you do to encourage active travel in your ward, but also potentially to bridge the divide that seems to exist? And I'll ask that question to Matt, please. So um, uh, I think the um, yeah the e-scooter trial is an interesting one because uh, it's it's a national scheme and originally we were we were going to have it last August and it's taken an awful long long time to come down. Um, the e-scooter trial is exactly that. It is it is a way the government is going to local authorities and gathering evidence for them then to be able to decide what they're going to do about e-scooters. The problem is, is that they've done it far, far too late and that uh, illegal e-scooters have been on sale for years now and are being used completely illegally. And, and that is that is a thing, but we have to regard this, this is in context and this is going to feed up to um, have a thing on national um, legislation. Um, in terms of the um, active travel in the wards, Certainly having, uh, we've had 24 streets around the city who are interested in bike hangers, including many in Eastern Craneswater. That will be a real bonus, especially for those streets uh, who, like me, live in flat-fronted terraced houses um, or live in blocks of flats or, or um, uh, HMOs, etc. Um, also, to make sure we have improved cycle infrastructure on the seafront when the sea defences are done, um, and also having better signage for people who want to walk around in the same way, way that we have quiet routes for cycling and we have signage for that. I'd like to see more to do with uh, good signage for Ten if you're seconds. walking from A to B uh, right across the city, that you have really good signage there as well. So I think that would be really positive. Perfect. And Craig? Uh, yeah, so... Um, yeah, obviously, um, active travel, um, one of the, the biggest things that, that Labour is is pushing at the minute. Well, I think we're doing more than any of, of the three parties to, to really try and, and push this and, and hammer it home. Um, better cycling infrastructure comes hand in hand with that. Um, it's it's needed um, a rollout across the city, rather, not just in Eastern Craneswater, where it is lacking, um, but we do need more. Um, it's strange that Matt mentions the, uh, the bike hangers. Um, there aren't any in Eastern Cranswater. Um, yes, there, there, there seems to be a lot in, in Central Celsius and, and Frat and other areas, but there's none within our ward. And I do feel that Matt has let the area down with that, being a cyclist himself. Um, we are, we're speaking to people out there and they're, they're wanting to, to give up, either give up cars completely or cut down 
to one car, or just use them less. And having these these things out there, these tools for people to use, will go a long way in making that happen. Um, so, so the sooner that that does is rectified, whether it's an oversight or what, I, I don't know. Uh, but it does need to, to be looked at as to why Eastie and Cranes Water doesn't have any. Um, on the e-scooters, um, personally, I, I think that they, they are good for the city and good for green travel, but they need to be properly managed. Um, I think a lot of people's complaints with them at the minute are they're seeing um, youths using them, uh, two people on a scooter, no helmets, things like that. I think, again, if um, we can get this right, then it will be good for the area. But it needs to be done properly. Um, 20 seconds. And at the minute, it seems a bit sort of haphazard. Uh, people were against cars when they came in and trains before that. So I do feel with time and with a proper rollout and with this being properly seconds. managed, it's something people can learn to, to live with. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. Matt, any... Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd uh, just like to come in on the bike hangers. Uh, this is a pilot. There are eight sites in the city. These were identified by officers uh, based on feedback from people over years. Uh, and they were decided on um, a year um, over a year ago um, uh, to, to, to where they should go. So I think that the whole point of that is they're all pilots. Um, it was just to give a, a, a good selection of kind of roads that they would go on. Um, and as I say, they were identified. So, I mean, it was always going to be, if successful as they are going to be, they're always going to roll out across the city. As I say, there are 24 roads, including quite a few in East, Eastern Craneswater, who will be involved. And just very quickly on the on the scooters, I think this is a message out for people listening to the podcast. Um, if you see any issues with any scooters, please do report Ten them seconds. either via the city council to void directly. They can pinpoint exactly which scooter it is because they're all chipped. They all know exactly where they are at a particular time. Obviously, they all have registration number so you can, you if you can see that, that's even better. But let them know that gets reported and then they can take action against who is using the scooter in an in a incorrect way. So, gentlemen, I think that leads us on to our final question of the evening. If I could just ask you to be succinct so that we can get all the uh, the final uh, the final points in as we come out of lockdown what are your hopes for the remainder of 2021 craig um so yeah obviously it's been an incredibly um tough year for everybody in eastern craneswater portsmouth and, and the entire country um i mean i i live live on my own um so i, I do know the challenges that that some have faced more, more than others um i am looking forward to, to reconnecting with friends and family and and getting out again but I, I don't think that we we should sort of rest on our laurels that the pandemic is is still going and we it needs to still remain a focus um what i would like to see is um us to sort of build back better than before uh building back greener fairer stronger um but not also forgetting the, the hard work that has been done um to, to get us to this point um and I, I think with me standing out as, as a councillor and hopefully being successful, um, we can we can move that forward, um, bring about some some real change to the area and to make sure that um, these that all, all these points that have been been raised tonight that, that people want to see and, and people want to want to be represented on do happen and that, that we build a, a better world 
um, in, in a post-COVID-19 scenario. Thank you, Craig. Matthew? My real hope is that the the work that people have done in Portsmouth, uh, the way that they've all pulled together continues afterwards. I think that has been, it has been absolutely inspirational, uh, the way that people have uh, gone out there, looked to help each other, support each other, um, look out for their neighbours, uh, look out for their family members and other members of the community, the way people have volunteered, has been absolutely magnificent. And my, my real hope, and I, I, it's more than hope, I, it's my expectation, is that um, Portsmouth people will continue doing that. Uh, Portsmouth people are, are we are a, a real community, a real sense of community here, no matter you know uh, where you live, where you're from, uh, what your political party is, what your political background is, anything like that. You're, um, we, we all pull together and it's been, um, that is my real hope that that will continue. Um, the, the other thing is that we can we can make sure that we can embed the work we're doing to um, to improve people's um, uh, you know to, to be able to tackle the, um, the the issues that we're going to have with mental health etc uh, and we're really investing in that at the city council but also that we can just really support each other to make sure that people can access the support they need and look out for each other um, so that that would be my real hope because it's it is going to be tough the rest of this year. Um, but I, I have real, I have real confidence in the people of this city. Brilliant. So thank you both, gentlemen. It is now time for closing speeches. Three minutes limit. And first up, Craig Withy. Uh, yeah. So I'd just like to start by saying thank you uh, for hosting tonight, and thanks to, uh, to to Matt for being a, a worthy opponent. Um, obviously, the elections are coming up. Um, they're they're very close. Um, and despite what other parties will tell you, Labour do have an, an extremely high chance of winning in East and Greenwater. I wouldn't be standing if I didn't believe that. Um, the Lib Dems will tell you that it's between them and, and the Tories for running the council. It isn't. Um, that's a myth. Were, were this seat to switch from, from Lib Dem to, to Labour, the Tories still wouldn't get in. Uh, but what, what you would get would be um, a fresh set of thinking um, some, with somebody new, ambitious with the drive that can bring East and Cranes Water through into a post-COVID-19 world. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you very much, Craig. And uh, Matt Wennington. As I said at the beginning, I've got a record of nine years as a councillor and, uh, and um, 12 years of campaigning in this ward. But it's not because of what I've done is why I want to continue to be a councillor recently Crane's Water. It's what I'm going to do. It's what I'm going to do to continue standing up for local people, to continue fighting for what is important to them, no matter where they are in the ward, and no matter what their background is, who they vote for, or anything like that. Um, but I, there's also the important points, uh, as Craig has alluded to, it is very tight on the council, and it is true. The Conservatives are almost certainly going to take a seat from uh, an independent in the north of the city, if they take my seat off me and they are really, really gunning for my seat, they will they will almost certainly be largest party and in pole position to take back control of the council. Um, I really value the time and the uh, the work I do as cabinet member of health, wellbeing and social care, leading the city's response to the pandemic. And that is really important to me that I, I am able to continue that role as well. And if, if I'm re-elected, 
to East Ning Cranes Water. I will be able to do that and work with my colleagues, the voluntary community sector and the NHS to continue doing that. That is all at risk if, if I'm not returned um, uh, in May. So um, as I said at the start, I love this ward. I love working for the people of this ward. This is a magnificent place to represent. Um, it is a, a, a really... Uh, a real pleasure to be able to um, do all the work I'm doing as a councillor. Um, but it's not because of me. It's because I want to carry on serving the people of this city um, and doing uh, and doing a better, an even better job than I've been able to do over the last nine years. Thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Craig. Um, wish you both the best of luck in the upcoming elections. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And our guests have been Craig Withy for Labour and Matthew Winnington for the Liberal Democrats. And I've been Simon Sansbury. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows, and get to know when we're live. We normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening. Then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. Stop. See? It's easy. <laughs>